Like me, I'm sure many of you don't recall what it was like to not be able to walk or ride a bike. It's kind of how it works when we learn a new skill or when we grow to a certain point, we have a way of forgetting what it was like to not be able to do that. And not only that, we, we forget or overlook those who maybe helped us achieve that success, those who, who were patient with us, those who, who helped us along as we sought to uh, achieve or accomplish something new in our lives. And this morning, as we wrap up our series on Samson, that's one of the things that we want to take into consideration, not just in general, the people that God has used to help us and aid us throughout our lives, but really to not overlook the fact that it is always ultimately the Lord who provides us the strength to achieve or accomplish anything through us, and oftentimes in spite of us. We see that in Samson this morning, and, and we'll come back to them, but, but before we do, as we wrap up this series, just to revisit the different takeaways that God has left with us as we have reflected on a, a, a number of different judges in this account. Despite God's people continuing to spiral into uh, departing from him and wickedness and evil, at some points they always were sorry or repentant, even if it was not entirely genuine or it was too short-lived. God always delivered. You remember through the, the first group that we looked at, Deborah and, and Barak, that God, his key takeaway was to remind us that his promises don't need propped up. They stand alone because they're his promises. He doesn't need mankind. He doesn't need anything from us to, to give them validation in any way whatsoever. And then we looked at, at Gideon. God used Gideon to show us that he can do a lot with a little. That he didn't need tens of thousands of soldiers to defeat the Midianites, but was able to do so with 300. And then not such a great example after that, kind of the, the non-judge, the godless Abimelech. And even that was an example from God to, to show us, remind us, or maybe warn us of what happens when God isn't a part of our plans. And then Jephthah, who made a, a foolhearted vow or promise before God, the one who was rejected by his people, yet used to rescue them. That was the takeaway. And it's hard not to, to see that application or at least think of Jesus who also was the one that was rejected that God used to rescue us. So from Samson, what, what do we learn today as, as we reflect on Samson? That we don't want to lose sight of the source of our strength. And it actually is phenomenal how easily that happens. How quickly we forget the, how the pendulum swings from insecurity all the way over to overconfidence. We saw that in Gideon. If you remember the number of times that Gideon asked the Lord for a sign, not sure of himself and not always sure if the Lord was actually going to use him to accomplish his purposes. And then God clearly, divinely intervened and, and gave such a, a convincing victory that it could only have been from God. And then there was a shift. The insecure Gideon became a little bit too secure of himself, Gideon. And the end didn't work out as well as he fashioned an ephod, and that kind of became a snare, an idol for Gideon and those who followed him. But it happens that way. Insecurity, and then the Lord gives success, and then overconfidence. Been there, done that. 
We're used to seeing those accounts and hearing those stories in our culture, in our society, aren't we? It happens all of the time. Whether it's the, the college dropout who goes on to, to found a, a company and become a, a millionaire. Or it's the, the athlete who got cut, couldn't even make his own high school team, who then goes on to, to be one of the most successful in that particular sport later on. We're familiar with these kinds of accounts and, and many like them, that, that God grants success, but then so quickly, once that success is achieved, once that growth happens, we forget or overlook who it is that granted that. And obviously, uh, that's, that's a concern, but one of the, the issues that arises when we forget to give God the credit, well, Paul addresses the issue. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, he says in verse 7, a reminder for us, he says, what do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? In other words, there is nothing that we have done, achieved, no success that, that has been granted to us that didn't come from God. But so easily we forget that. We're kind of like the, the little child strapped to the back of mom or dad in the little carrier that is making their way up a, a hike or a mountain. The child is, is smiling just along for the ride and may not be able to say much at all, but once they get to the top of, of the mountain or the end of the hike, then the, the child says, I made it! I did it! Not really. You didn't do anything but sit there. Mom or dad's the one who did all the work and got you there. And yet that's the same thing that we do when we fail to acknowledge that God is the one who grants us any success, any achievements. It's always, it's only him who is the source of of our strength. And it's not just forgetting to, to acknowledge God or thank Him or give Him props for what He's done that causes or that ends up being an issue. See, the more that, that we try, the, the more of, of our commitment and, and our effort that we put into those successes, the easier it is to forget what He has done. And when that happens, it actually changes the way that we view other people. When we become so self-inflated with success, we look at others differently. And this can happen in the church, can it? You look at, at that person that you don't see very frequently on, on Sundays for worship, and it's not because you're not there. You know it's because they're not. And, and you, you wonder when you hear again about somebody tripping, stumbling in, in some sin, a sin that isn't really an issue for you at all, and you wonder, how can, how can that be a snare for them? How can they still, still struggle with that? You look at your marriage, and it just seems to be this beautiful, um, well-oiled machine, and you look at others who are struggling in marriage, and you, you can't even remember what that's like, despite the fact that you have worked through your own challenges and struggles to get to the point where you're at. We hear kids in, in worship and we say, why can't those, those parents handle their kids? Forgetting that our kids were, were just as loud, just as noisy, just as active when, when we were raising them. But when we get to this point of success or achieve whatever it is that we've granted, it's hard for us to forget where we used to be and where we came from, isn't it? Samson had the same problem. Because Samson knew his own strength. The Lord had granted him with superhuman strength and he knew that he was set apart from birth to serve God in a sanctified special purpose. But that strength became his identity. 
and he forgot that it was the Lord who had granted him that strength. So that self-inflated strength, that that it was his own, combined with a, a weakness for women, got Samson into trouble on more than one occasion. We didn't even cover all of the accounts in the reading. You, know, you might notice that the more familiar aspects of Samson's life were left out because we assume that, that they're a little better known, the, the, the account of Samson and Delilah, and then finally how he ended up dying. But just to, to review, to go back to those two times particularly, and it wasn't just two, Samson was by no means the model judge, but two times that his attraction to women and his own self-inflated pride really got him into trouble. One was when he allowed one woman to, to lead him to, to leak out the answer to a riddle that then was dished out to the Philistines. And then the other, of course, was much more serious when Delilah got out of him that if he cut his hair, his strength would be sapped because that was part of the Nazarite vow that we heard about in the lesson. That one was more serious because it resulted in his eyes being gouged out and ultimately his own death. Now, now had Samson remembered who was the source of his strength, maybe things would have ended a little differently had he not rested on his own laurels. That was his weakness. And, and you know what? The, the most remarkable thing of all of this is that the Lord used Samson anyway. Maybe that's not a surprise to us because that's kind of the same refrain we've seen throughout Judges. There isn't such a thing as a model judge. Each of them is flawed. Each of them has their own weaknesses and Samson is no different. So it shouldn't surprise us that, that the Lord was able to use somebody like Samson. That he didn't look at his unworthiness and, and give him the pink slip and say to his HR group, we've got to hire somebody else to get this job done. The Lord is able to use those who are flawed and who have weaknesses because it's his strength and his power that is getting the work done. And he still demonstrates that today, doesn't he? He actually does that in the, in the secular world, in the non-believing world, that, that isn't even going to acknowledge not only that God exists, but that he's the power, that he is the, the strength behind anything good that happens. And the Lord has shown throughout history and even in our present day in a number of ways how he can use the secular world to achieve his sanctified purposes, whether it's through a particular government that he can use or businesses, or organizations, or relationships, or means and resources that exist in the secular world that that the Lord uses his power and his strength to bless and build up his church. So even though they wouldn't acknowledge it, it's still God's strength that is working through those means. And of course, it's a no-brainer that he also does this through the church as well. Actually, maybe it would be better put if we said that he does it in spite of the church. How many pastors have you heard talk about it it being their church or their ministry? Or or members of a congregation don't even refer to the the name uh, of a larger congregation, but it's Pastor So-and-So's church. Or Christian leaders who have, who have achieved things, who have applied ministry plans and different approaches and, and have enjoyed success, and yet so quickly, these individuals, we can all forget it's the Lord who blesses any of that. The Lord who puts a pastor in a particular place to do anything that he's going to do. The Lord who blesses Christian leaders with wisdom and discernment to, to carry out his ministry. It's always and it's only the Lord, isn't it? 
But if you really want to know where the Lord, where the Lord shows His strength best, it's in word and sacrament. That's where the Lord shows His, his power. That's where the Lord forgives Samson-like sinners who rely too often on their own strength and, and fall and fail. When, when sinners like you and I, when we forget, when we overlook that it is God who gives us the strength and provides us with the ability and the skill to do anything good, that, that when we rest on our own confidence and we're self-inflated and then our, our house falls apart like a, a house of straw, Jesus is there to pick up the pieces with his forgiveness. No, it isn't in, in a flexing six-pack abs, but rather an absolution that God shows his muscle. It's not, it's not in gold medals, but in grace that God shows his greatness. It's not in flexing, but in forgiveness that God makes his mighty strength, his power known. Samson knew that he was set apart from birth for God's purposes. But, but if you read through these chapters, and it's only a few, 13 through 16, give them a read this week, you'll see Samson really didn't do much to develop or grow, even though he knew God had set him apart. In fact, he was pretty weak and frail, spiritually speaking, through most of the account. And it wasn't really until the last day of his life that in humility and repentance... He acknowledged that it was the Lord who had given him that strength. And in so doing, in humbly approaching the Lord one last time, the Lord granted him the blessing of, of showing his superhero strength. And by his death, he ended up defeating more Philistines than he had in his entire life. Dear friends, don't make the same mistake. Don't wait until it's too late. Don't wait until the last day to tap into the power of God's strength. His strength is readily available to you each week as we gather for worship. It's readily available to you each day as you are in his word. Every other week as we celebrate the sacraments, these are how God flexes his muscle, shows his power, and strengthens and equips you with his power. I don't remember what it was like to, to not be able to walk or, or ride a bike, to do a whole lot of things, but, but let's remember that it is God and his strength and his power that enables us to do anything good. And with that same confidence borne out through the power of the gospel, then let's not be so quick to rely on our own sham strength, but instead to look to the true source of power, the power that is so abundant and so evident through Jesus and his salvation. Amen.